Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we've got Season 7, Episode 12, Judgment Day. Mary, what happened this week? David and Donna go to dinner with Felice and Dr. Dad, and Felice is very herself. In fact, she's herself enough that Donna walks out of the restaurant before the meal even begins. Donna talks to Dr. Dad about David and whether there's any medical reason she shouldn't date him right now. Dr. Dad is supportive, but Felice continues to be herself about it. Oh, also Valerie is trying to get David to maybe please still put his money into the pee pad because, you know, he has all the qualities she looks for in a partner, sober, and managing their mental health. Also, they're the same in that they need heat and challenge and they aren't afraid to go after what they want. Turns out this, not the money, is what Donna is worried about. She admits she didn't want to see David and Val working so closely together since they used to be an item, but Donna does want David to have what he wants. So, did I really not finish writing this and think I did? (laughs) He assures her she is the one he really cares about, and they're officially together now, I guess. I'm just picturing you when you're writing it to be like, so, shrug. Yeah. <laughs> my food got here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Distracted my food story of my life. Right? Strong finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I kind of love that Dr. Dad and Felice show up just to be like exactly who they are. Like right? there is no curveball with the two of them. It's just like Felice has a stick up her butt and Dr. Dad is just like caring and intelligent and just really wants to divert the conversation to jazz. That and look at things in an objective way, right? Like have his own reservations and have his own bias toward his daughter, obviously. But like at the end of the day, he's still going to be objective about it and still look at it from a pragmatic point of view. Other than just like, well, you think you have feelings for him that I could not. I was like, this woman needs therapy. Donna is going to need therapy because of her actions, Felice's actions. Like, oof, man. Okay, yeah. When they have the conversation where she's like, you're becoming an adult. You need to think like an adult and think about, you know, a long-term relationship. I wanted to just like shut my iPad and walk away. She's 22. Mhm. Like exactly. I'm sorry, Felice. The last long-term relationship you wanted for her was with an abuser. So like right. maybe slow it down. And also like check your radar for who would be a good fit for your daughter. When she asks so many questions about, like, his mental health and she makes comments that they've been talking about his doctor, which really weirded me out. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, has your doctor met your mother? And he walks up from the table. It's like, he's never sitting with y'all again. Exactly. Like, I think what was interesting for me is I was so prepared for, first of all, David to even be hesitant to go to dinner with them because like David knows Dr. Dad and Felice like 
they're not a secret, you know, to him. They're a known mm-hmm. entity, but yet he still is totally on board. And I was so expecting him to just be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Why don't we just meet at the concert or yeah, wherever they were going. Yeah. Cause they dinner? were going to the, they were going to the Goo Goo Dolls after the concert or after dinner. Okay. Yeah. And so I was totally expecting him to kind of blow that off. A, because even though we did sort of just define that, yeah, they're dating again, we haven't defined how serious it is and like what kind of commitment this is. But the fact that he just shows up like with a good attitude and is just like ready to be engaged and whatnot. And then Felice just like shuts him down immediately and puts him down. I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, David, I would also get up from the table and at the very least go to the bathroom like he did but I would also probably leave yeah and yeah let's talk about like how David acted in this whole episode like he's doing great you know Mm -hmm. they talk about how it's been a couple weeks and so they've been doing a lot of exercise he's been in therapy I honestly believe when he got really uncomfortable at dinner and he got up to go to the bathroom like I'm sure that was, like, a therapy technique to, like, calm himself down. Like, remove yourself from the situation, go to a different room, like, take five deep breaths. You're good to go. Yeah, absolutely. I just – I love that they were bike riding. Like, it makes so much sense to me that Donna is super into cycling, like – I feel like she has her bike, but then she also does spin classes. Like, she's just really into the bike. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think that fits for her perfectly. I also very much loved how often during this episode, David referred to Donna as, like, his guardian angel and angel, all that. I'm like, finally, David, you've been, like, putting her down a bit, talking mean to her. You finally realized, no, no. Donna is an angel on earth if ever we've seen one. Oh my gosh. So after they go on the bike ride and then they're back at his house and Donna like, you know, answers the phone with Val. Like, okay. You know, so I guess we should talk about that phone call. Mm -hmm. You know, Val calls. Donna picks it up while David's in the shower and she's like trying to take a specific message and Val is just like, I don't want to be rude, but it's none of your business. Like, I don't think those are the exact words, but she says, I don't want to be rude. Right. But then Donna responds, I would be rude, but I wasn't brought up that way. Which is the most savage burn that one angel Donna Martin could come up with. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, it's still just truth. Like, Mm -hmm. she's not trying to be mean and, you know, say things that Kelly would say until later. Until later. Yep. (laughs) But I love that afterwards, you know, David comes out, Donna's talking to him about, like, maybe this isn't such a good idea. You know, you made this pitch to invest when you weren't feeling well. Like, no one's going to hold you to it. He doesn't blow up at her. He's just like, Mm -hmm. you've been an angel. Now you're interfering. Here's a mango. (laughs) (laughs) Died when he was just like, I know you love mangoes, so I bought you a mango. I feel like an angel deserves a mango. (laughs) Like, growth. 
so much emotional growth in this moment. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and that's kind of my point, too, is like the fact that he even agreed to the dinner. Then this takes place. And you're right. He doesn't blow up on her for something that like typically when he was in his more manic states, he absolutely would have because he would feel like she's mothering him or can controlling him or trying to lead him to a decision and yeah I just appreciate the work that David's put in to be able to have these conversations and I think that also makes sense for him I think Mm -hmm. we've seen him when he wants something he's gonna work really hard at it you know yeah he he worked really hard at his music career he worked really hard on the music videos now he's working really hard on his mental health I feel like now that he's putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, mm-hmm. like I I have fingers crossed, like, you know, this is still 90210. I'm certain there's going to be some sort of backslide or something. Of course. But he's doing really well and it makes my heart happy. Me too. And so that's why, especially once we get to the dinner, which is the next time we see them and Felice just goes in hard, even knowing just what David has been through. It just breaks my heart for him because it just, you could see the defensiveness coming from Donna. You could feel the tension, you know, for David. And then you could see the massive eye roll that Felice gives Donna when she gets up, takes, you know, takes up for David, gets up and leaves. Which, you know, Felice spends all this time in this episode telling her to grow up and, like, look for a long-term relationship. And if this is not maturity, like Donna yeah. standing up for David to her mother, I I don't know what is. Like, Felice yeah. is just wrong. Agree. Because, like, you know, of course there's there's that, like, fine line between being young and not understanding things and taking up for something you don't understand. Like, you know, my mind in those situations always flash back to like Boy Meets World when Corey and Topanga, like when Topanga moves to Philly and they're so stuck on like being together, even though they're in high school. Like, I think granted it worked out for them, obviously, because it's a TV show, but like something like that could be chalked up to being naive. And so yelling at your parents, kind of defending that sort of thing, that could be construed as like immature. But this They are 21, 22 years old. They have been through real stuff. I mean, Donna was in an abusive relationship, for God's sakes. David has had his whole experience with his mental health journey, including having to, you know, find and rescue his mother from that same mental health journey, or at least a similar one. So this is no longer that kind of naive, we're young, we're in love, I don't know what love really is kind of thing, and has transitioned into that more adult relationship dealing with adult problems together yeah I don't know what my point of that was but all I meant to say is that like this is clearly a much more mature relationship than maybe it would have been if this were happening in high school completely agree and like I think that's kind of the problem Felice is having is that she saw them when they were 16 and together and now they're Mm -hmm. 22 and together and Honestly, acting a lot more mature. I mean, Donna is like the weird uh, exception in the group where like she's kind of always been the most mature one. Like she has some weird moments where like she makes comments about things. But more often than not, she's the one who's like, 
doing research, making sure that adults get involved when they need to be, and like, you know, being there for David, flying to Vegas on a moment's notice to go save him because his quote-unquote friends wouldn't do it when her abusive ex called to let her know what was happening. Like, Yep, exactly. Wild that Donna can go through all of these experiences and Felice is like, you're a child. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes and I forgot that right before Donna leaves, Felice says something along the lines of, I'm a doctor's wife. I know about this type of thing. That I died. It's the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. That's like me saying, like, I'm trying to even think of a good example. Like, that's like if I were to say, I know an NBA player. I know how to play basketball. Like, you know, (laughs) that's like when people who are like racist try to be like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Like, it's, sir. It's like... (laughs) It's my favorite thing. Like when people are like, oh, yeah, kicking a field goal isn't hard. I can do that. And like blowing up Twitter. And then a college is like, okay, come do it. And, and then, then the ball can't. just like rolls 10 feet. Like, yeah, ma'am, your husband is a heart surgeon. You don't know anything. Right? Like, why don't you pick up a scalpel and go do a triple bypass? Go ahead. By all means. Actually, just effectively use a scalpel. Let's start there. Actually, identify a scalpel. Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick it up. Hold it correctly. I dare yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I do love, though, you know, like Donna leaves, and then she goes to see her dad at the office, and he asks, like, oh, are you here to talk to your father or to talk to a medical professional? Yep. Like, the dichotomy of Felice and Dr. Martin is Mm -hmm. like bizarre to me they are such polar opposites I agree and and again like just to our point on maturity the fact that Donna was fully willing to come to Dr. Dad's office and apologize for just not not for what she said but how she said it right and for leaving Mm -hmm. like that's maturity right there and so then of course like it totally disarms Dr. Dad, not that he necessarily needed to be disarmed, but it like puts him in a safe place to the point where he can say, I'll give you advice as dad or as doctor. I can do both, but just let me know what you need. And, and so it brings them into this like really safe conversation where Donna is clearly actively listening and Dr. Dad is being truthful and being honest, but also being objective. It, it was just a lovely conversation. I, my like respect for Dr. Dad just like went through the roof here. Right? Like, oh, I loved it. They had such a beautiful conversation when like, mm-hmm. you know, he's giving her like straight up medical, you know, facts. Like I can't even call it advice because he's like, well, yeah, mental health can be hereditary, but so is high blood pressure. Like, You're not going to not marry someone with high blood pressure. They can take an Advil every day, you know? Exactly. And the fact that they were talking about this, that she felt – she seemed a little uncertain to bring it up, but that she felt comfortable asking him, like, oh, well, what if we get to the point that we want kids? Right? Like, how safe as a 22-year-old girl do you have to feel to ask your dad that? Yeah. You know she's not asking Felice about that. No. And I think what's important there is that 
Donna's not asking this because she's like, I'm going to marry and have kids with him tomorrow. And Dr. Dad knows that. She's asking because she's genuinely curious what happens genetically, biologically, like, you know, doctorly, you know, like what, what happens here? I just want to be realistic. And I think that also shows a level of maturity that goes beyond just girl loves boy, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And yeah, I just, I loved, loved, loved when Dr. Dad was like, yes, these chemical imbalances can be inherited, but it's no reason not to love someone. I was just like, oh my God, whoever wrote that, like full hand clap to them. Ugh. Right? Like I wanted on a sticky note on my mirror. Right? Yeah. I mean just chef's kiss. Love Dr. Dad. Mm-hmm. We've had all these moments with Donna that we've really been talking about. There's also the David side of things when they're separate. Because the next scene we see is when Val comes to see David and it is the most awkward introduction in the world. Like when she is standing at the door and she's like, well, you didn't come to see me. So I came to see you. And she hasn't seen him in like three weeks. Like they haven't seen each other since Vegas. Right. And weirdly, once they get in the house, also a very mature conversation. Mm-hmm. Like shades of Val to be sure. Oh, yeah. But mature. I mean, there there is that moment where she asks if Donna is trying to, like, convince him not to do it in not so many words. Like, mm-hmm. she just can't help herself. She has to be like, oh, is, is this Donna? Well, that's the thing. It's like, clearly, clearly Val always has ulterior motives we know this about her and as a viewer and maybe this is a testament to tiffany Thiessen, but as a viewer i am sitting here like what are you saying without saying it you know like what 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 tone is this do i recognize it what am i hearing without without you saying it because it seems like when she's asking if they're still partners, it seems like they're. she's still asking, like, are we still banging? You know, like, are we still Ooh. hooking up at first? Okay. And then, of course, it, the Donna of it all comes into the equation and all that. Because then I, I was pulled back on it because she that's when she does the quote that I, I think we talked about or Mary talked about. You and I are alike. We need that heat. We need that challenge, which is true, but for two different reasons, right? David's, you know, his, his, it's similar to what his mom said in the previous episode when kind of explaining his high highs and like chasing those highs. It's so great, but then it's the down, you know, like just as much as you get the high highs, you get the low lows, but Valerie's heat, Valerie's challenge, his, the race, whatever it is, it's, it's fueled by something else. It's the need for attention. It's the need for being taken care of and all that. So I thought it was really interesting hearing similar words, similar language, but just understanding that it's from two completely different places, you know? Yeah, I I really like that take on this because it's like, I feel like the writers were definitely doing that on purpose. And it's like, yeah, Val is coming from a different place and she can't possibly know exactly how, like, 
his manic moments feel, mm-hmm. but that she's like trying to use their past and the relationship that they've had in the past to like really get him to stay invested in her life. Yeah. And it's Valerie's need to have someone, right? Like she can't yeah. be alone. And based on their relationship in the past and kind of the the things that they've gone through, I think she assumes David's the same way. She needs he needs a partner just like she needs a partner, you know? Which yeah, historically she's not wrong. Like every right. time he goes through a breakup or you know, any sort of moment. Like, he goes back to Donna. He needs Donna with him more than, you know, just any old partner. But I don't know that Val necessarily sees that. Agreed. But that kind of begins a whole, like, run with Val where every time she shows up and sees David and Donna, she's, like, trying to get him back invested with the club. And she's like, oh, yeah, can I get you all a drink? And he says, no, thanks. And she's like, I like it. Sober. It's what I'm looking for in a partner. God, it was so bad. (laughs) Like, it was bad enough that at the party that night, because there's a surprise party that we'll get to, (laughs) Donna says she wants to lock Val in a closet. Amazing. 10 out of 10. (laughs) I just really appreciate she says it to Kelly. And yeah, Kelly's like, that sounds like something I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I also feel like at that point, Kelly should be like, are you ill? Are you okay? (laughs) What's wrong? (laughs) But, I mean, we've already addressed how attentive Kelly is to certain people right now. Exactly. And we kind of cut ahead to the next day where Felice has come over to the beach apartment to apologize to Donna. like In Felice's way of not apologizing apologizing yeah it's like a a very um I'm sorry that you feel hurt yeah I'm sorry that yeah because she like tries to apologize for quote-unquote offending anyone but in in all seriousness she knew exactly what she was doing like yeah I mean I didn't write a ton in this scene because it was just like same old song and dance with Felice like I don't think she actually meant her apology and then she's like calling David another wounded bird or a deer, throwing Donna saving a deer and getting a medal back in her (laughs) face for some reason. And at one point accuses Donna of only thinking of herself, where I'm like, have you met your child? Yeah, like you literally are just like, is David another wounded bird or a deer? You only think of yourself. She literally like survived a a wildfire to save a deer like we all know my thoughts on deer but still like (laughs) she she flew to vegas yeah literally like she lied about what happened to her with ray so that other people wouldn't be upset so that felice would Mm -hmm. not be upset exactly this woman if she never showed up again it would be too soon I know, right? I mean, because, like, that's the thing. Like, she accuses Donna of of being selfish. She apologizes, but fake apologizes. Then she tells Donna that Donna thinks she has feelings for David. Like, I hate this. Like, what would be productive in this moment is not, I know you think you have feelings for David, but instead saying, tell me why. 
you have feelings for David. Tell me what your feelings are. Like, explain it to me, right? Like, I saw something, or actually I heard it on another podcast where, like, they're talking about how this dad was teaching this daughter how to ride their bike and she fell down and started crying and wanted to stop. And so the dad walks up to her and instead of like, just caught, you know, like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And making a big deal. He said, are you hurt or are you scared? And it's like, yeah, because if you're hurt, then yeah, let's, let's make sure you feel okay. And you're better. If you're scared, let's try to hop on. Let's try again. You know, like let's give it another go. Felice is like, I know you think you're hurt. I know you think you're scared. Like all this stuff. It's like, that's not how you talk to somebody. You don't project your feelings onto somebody else. Yeah, that's exactly it. She's projecting her feelings onto Donna rather than letting Donna feel her feelings and like try to explain them, which like exactly huge disservice to your child to just be like, well, I know you think you're doing this. And then they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, is that what I'm doing? And then they never understand what their feelings equate to. Exactly. Can't stand her. If we could do the same, like, where Dr. Dad was the only one that showed up when Joe needed his heart surgery or when, like, Cindy was the only one that showed up for Christmas last year, even though that was a horrible thing. (laughs) Like, let's just not have Felice anymore. Yep. And the very last thing we see with them is, like, the gang is at the peach pit because of the other story that we'll get to. But, like, David gets up and kind of wanders over to the pee pad side of things by himself and is really just, like, standing there, like, absorbing the club. Like, that's just, I guess, you know, a place that he feels good about himself. Mm -hmm. And Donna realizes that he's walked away, which I thought was hilarious when they're eating. And she's like, where'd David go? And Kelly's just like, huh? He left? Like, (laughs) personifies my problems with Kelly right now. Exactly. But Donna goes over and follows him and is just like, oh, like, you really want this, don't you? And then, like Mary said, they have this whole conversation about, like, oh, the price is too high, but it's not the money. Like, I want you, Donna. They kiss. I kind of shorted it on the notes here well I I mean I think it does sum it up and I just think it's really good and positive that David's even considering more than just the dollar amount right Mm -hmm. because there's a lot at stake here there's his mental health there's his relationship with Donna his his relationship when I say relationship I mean just in a loose term with Valerie um pressure for things to go well. Um, now he's monetarily tied to something that he's never had a responsibility of before. You know, so it's just, yeah, it, I appreciate that he's thinking about those things. Whereas clearly when he first made the promise to Val, he wasn't thinking about those things. He was simply thinking like, I have the money. I like the pee pad. Here you go. You know, so the fact that now we get that and not only that he's thinking about it, but he's openly talking about it with somebody else, namely Donna. That also shows a good level of understanding and a level of safety that he feels with Donna. He can't talk about that with Valerie. He just can't. Mm. She doesn't provide that kind of space for him, but Donna does. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, we're cutting ahead a couple weeks. It's still really early days. It's only been like, you know, 
two weeks since he got out of the hospital and agreed to therapy and is like, you know, taking care of himself. But it feels like David is like really maturing. And I think, you know, that's something we talked about a couple weeks ago, that the reason that Donna can't be with him is he's not like the guys that she worked that she's mm. with in between him where they have jobs, they have careers, they're more mature. Like all of a sudden David's about to become a business owner who goes to therapy. Yeah. He's becoming the man that she wants. And that she deserves. And it's weird that it's David because I swear <laughs> like three weeks ago, I was like, why is this happening again? Hey, we have plenty of time for there to be more ups and downs and topsy-turvy drama. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's like 80 episodes or something left in this series. <laughs> we got time. I'm just like, I'm in shock. Yeah, for sure. It's But it was wild. a good episode for David, and I really appreciated it. It was. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I think. Once again, this is kind of showing Brian Austin Green's acting capabilities that he can play all of these different versions of David. Agreed. And I got to admit, like, David is starting to have a glow up. Like, he is starting to become more physically attractive to me. <laughs> and I find that weird. <laughs> it's like what happened with Brandon where we were just like, oh, yes. wow. Like, I like Brandon and therefore I'm allowed to see that, like, my brain is telling me it's okay. He's cute. You can like him. He's not just trash. Exactly. Like David's scruff. I love his little scruff. I love what his hair is doing right now, whereas I haven't always liked his hair. Like, I don't know. And and just now he's going to therapy. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's the maturity. You're just like, oh my God, hi. Yeah, right? <laughs> Did you change something about yourself? No, you just, you look different. You're messy, but you're working on it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> I love that for him. Me too. And for, Good for David. And for us, if he can keep it going, because <laughs> then we have, like, most of the time Brandon and most of the time David, and, like, once every six episodes, Steve for five seconds. <laughs> I'm for it. Yeah. So speaking of Brandon and Steve, are we ready to talk about them? Definitely. I have a lot to say I about this. All right, Mary, what happened this week? Chancellor Arnold calls a meeting with Stephen Brandon to let them know he found a loophole in the bylaws. If they plead guilty, there is no hearing and expulsion is off the table for plagiarism. Steve's like, well, fuck yeah, but Brandon will not let his innocence be unknown. Professor Randall puts little effort into hiding the fact that he's just out to get revenge on Brandon for that whole Lulu thing. Since Brandon decides to represent himself in the hearing, Randall doesn't think he'll have much of a challenge, especially since he's the college version of subpoenaed Steve and Brandon hates him now. What he doesn't count on is Brandon saying all of the things that he says that I'm going to let y'all talk about. But anyway, it turns out Randall doctored his evidence so the charges on Brandon are dropped and now he's in trouble and the boys can be friends again. Also, Kelly doesn't listen to Mark about what he wants to do for his birthday and plans a surprise party. He's definitely surprised and also hates it. Also, he's jealous of Brandon because Kelly non-platonic cheek kisses him. 
Kelly apologizes to Mark and watches a kung fu movie with him like he wanted to for his birthday. I have so many thoughts here. Like, for, gosh, what was the other Law and Order 902NO that we had? Because it was Brandon again. The school presidency? Yes. It was the presidency. Like, that felt professional. This is, like, literally Brandon's about to go into his final semester of college and cannot give a rat's behind. Dude, he went full Brandon, and for, like, the first time, I was in support, you know? Like, it was still contained full Brandon, which shows how much he's grown. (laughs) I was dying, and every time they showed the tribunal, just, like, put their heads in their hands and be like, is this really happening right now? Right? Dying. I just loved little Brandon getting up in, first of all, calling him Corey, and then getting in the quote-unquote courtroom, getting up in his face and just being like, well, you cooked the books, didn't you? Like, (laughs) oh, man. Brandon was the MVP. Well, like, David was the MVP. But Brandon was also MVP for totally different reasons. Yeah, this is, like, most valuable player on each team kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, let's start at the beginning because apparently, despite the fact that Chancellor Arnold has told Steve before that he cannot, like, do anything about punishment, this time he's like, just kidding, I can do something about punishment. Plead guilty (laughs) and I'll take care of you. He's like, heck yeah, like, Steve is all for it. And I was like, no, I was like, Steve is going to get away with this again? I could not handle it because like at first he was like oh all I have to do is plead guilty I can do that I'm guilty and I was just like (laughs) okay he got away with it again like what is happening here but then we find out that like Brandon still has the charges against him so Brandon's the one that has to go to trial for what Steve did well yeah and it, it makes it seem like if they both plead guilty then nothing will happen but Brandon just cannot and should not, quite frankly. But, yeah. Like, oh. And then when Steve's all like, well, I'll testify for him. And I'm like, who in their right mind would believe you if you testified? And that's like a theme through the rest of the episode mm-hmm. with them. Like, because truly, no one believes him until he has the receipts. Exactly. Exactly. Which... Proof is a whole concept in this entire storyline that I'm just focused in on. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I mean, they're going like the opposite of normal because remember, Randall even said to Brandon, like, you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Like, right. That's that whole episode. But yeah, like, we start there and then we have this quick moment to establish what's happening with Kelly and Mark who, like, repeatedly intersect with Brandon. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you can say Brandon and Steve are a story, and then Brandon, Kelly, and Mark are a story. Like, Agreed, yeah. He was busy this week. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I noticed Kelly has, like, a little bit of a hot goth light look going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of loved it. Like, yeah. The jacket, the necklace, the hair. 
It was almost feeling a little Emily Valentine. Ooh, okay. You I know was what I'm saying like, it it kind of felt like cocaine Kelly. Like she's putting on oh God. like something. But like light cocaine, not end of the road cocaine. Sure, sure. Just like I don't know. She's trying to be a little bad. I like right. Emily Valentine better. Like I like going and setting fire to things versus <laughs> cocaine. Well, it's like she just read in her, you know, magazine or whatever magazine she's reading these days, Vogue probably. She's like, oh, grunge? What is this thing called grunge? And should I start thinking about that? <laughs> right? Like, I feel like, yeah, this was a whole outfit that she put together that would never have happened before, but she probably owned all of the pieces. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she saw it in her magazine and was like, oh, 17 magazine says blah, blah, blah this week. Exactly. Because she still, she still gets her 17 ever since she was on the cover. Clearly. But, okay, when Brandon walks by and they start talking and whatever, but then she friend kisses him, I clocked it immediately. I was like, Mark's not going to like this. And then she yeah. comes to him and lies and was like, oh, I was just wondering about his sister in England. Which, love a good Brenda mention always. Love it. But at least in this case, it was because, like, she asked him about the party, and he can't know about the party. Mm-hmm. I just – I also wrote in my notes, I was like, if he doesn't like this, has right. he not seen the mouth kisses? God, he must not have. Like, I, I mean, he never sees Kelly. He just calls her three times and hangs up <laughs> without talking to her. Right, and then gives her shit about not sleeping with him when they do see each other. But, like – he should have known by now. Brandon mouth kisses everyone. Mm-hmm. That's just what he does. Like a cheek kiss is actually significantly more platonic. Right. Like that would be like, Brandon, are you mad at me? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What if she came back and he was like, what was all that about? I think Brandon's mad at me. <laughs> but yeah, we get like a little bit of guitar music. Like they're they're set in the stage that Mark does not like the Kelly-Brandon relationship and he's going to stew about it. Right before mm-hmm. his birthday. And, okay, so something happens in the next scene that is recurring through the rest of the episode, but it just baffled me. So it's Claire and Steve. He kind of, like, recaps everything for her and, you know, talks about he's going to be a witness actually in the prosecution because he, like, opens, I guess, the subpoena or whatever. Yeah, he got subpoenaed to a college tribunal. That's the thing. And earlier when Chancellor Arnold was like, you can get a lawyer, I'm like, a lawyer. <laughs> Losing. This show has what forgotten about, they're in college. Right? Like, what about a law student? Like, whatever. Anyway, so he's, like, reading this subpoena, I guess, and telling Claire. But then he, like, keeps talking about how he feels like he's getting sick. And at first, I'm like, oh, he's just, like, anxious. Right? He's mm-hmm. His anxiety is, like, eliciting a physical response. That's totally normal. But as we'll see later on in the episode, he keeps acting like he's sick, but instead of it being a tummy thing, it's like sniffles. It's cold symptoms. He coughs a lot. And like, yeah, there's a moment where she pulls the blankets off of him and he's like, ah, because he's cold, presumably. I'm like, yeah. What's the point of this? Same, because I thought the same as you. I was like, okay, he feels sick because... He lost his best friend. Like, literally, there was a moment 
earlier in the episode where Steve says, we're best friends. And Brandon says, not anymore, and walks mm-hmm. away. Like, mm-hmm. he's just having, like, emotional sickness. And then right. when he started sniffling, I was like, okay, maybe he's really sick. But then by the end of the episode, he's just hanging out at the pee pad and – or the peach pit. But given the current state of our world, I was just like, why are you out? You're sick. Yeah. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Like, stop coughing on people. Go home. Yeah. But no – same thing. I was so confused about this runner that Steve is sick. And then part of me was like, okay, well, maybe that like comes up next week and he has the flu, but mm-hmm. why would it? That would be a week from now. He'd be over it. Exactly. So that's why I was like, why is this a thing if it's not going to actually become a thing? No idea. And like truly barely comes up because this story is about Brandon. Like, Mm-hmm. We barely see Steve after this. Exactly. Yeah, because we get like a short scene between Brandon and Tracy and clearly this is like stressing out Brandon so much it's like leaking into other things as well. He finds Tracy and asks about the rundown of the show like and Tracy's like um we always do that at noon, so why are you asking for it now? But he's just really stressed. She wants to learn more about like what I guess the case is and what's going on. But he just – he really doesn't want to talk about it because he's having to deal with all this stuff. And now he's got to be his own representation. And, yeah, there's just a lot. Yeah. And then because he's his own representation, he's at the Condor's Nest reading law books, at which point Randall, where everyone in the school can hear him, is like, why are you studying? You're just getting expelled anyway. hmm Like, very clearly, like – He kind of leans in a little bit, but they're not really hiding the fact that this is a personal vendetta. Like, he's not even trying. At which point, I would have loved – I realized it at this point in the episode, wrote it in my notes. There should have been a surprise character witness to destroy Randall like Deshaun. Ooh. See, I think you're about to say like Lulu. But oh, also Deshaun that as well. is a good call. No, I so, love that idea. I originally went with Lulu, but then that could hurt Brandon too because I think sure. Randall even says it like, oh, yeah, go tell everyone you had an affair with my wife. See how that goes. Right. And also a member of faculty. like, Yeah. But then Deshaun, like the whole thing with him was that Brandon truly helped him study and like made sure – that he passed his classes without cheating. Like, that's Mm -hmm. literally the whole thing. Yep. And that Randall paired them up on the assumption that they would cheat and Brandon still wouldn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. Also, speaking of Lulu, they say multiple times that Brandon had the affair with her while she and Randall were split up. But, like... Maybe the actual sex part happened after they split up, but they were definitely, like, playing footsie under the table at Randall's house. Well, and that's the thing, like, there is a difference between divorce is final and being legally separated, but I distinctly remember Brandon going to their house with Randall and Lulu and Randall not knowing about the affair, and they've definitely, at the very minimum flirted and messed around yeah 
So I feel like I might be remembering this wrong, but I feel like um, Brandon went to Lulu and Randall's house to meet Lulu and she made him like fancy potatoes. And then they made out on the couch and he spilled Mm -hmm. a drink and then saw it was like their wedding album or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then like the next weekend, Randall's like, come to my house. And then she made him fancy potatoes again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the really spicy ones or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, they were, like, making out, and then he backed off when he found out she was married, and then she was persistent, and then I guess they were separated. I'd have to go back and, like, really look, but Mm -hmm. I swear, I don't trust any of the older married predatory people on this show that go after the 20-year-olds. No, absolutely not. Rightfully so. We should not trust them. Right. Anyway. Yeah, it's tribunal time. Jum, jum. <laughs> right? I feel like we need, like, some good music in this moment. We need, like, Dun. the, um, like, literally the Law & Order SVU music to come pop in. <laughs> it just, they really treat it like a trial. Like, they make this comment that both parties have waived their opening statements, which I feel like they just did so the writers didn't have to yes. write monologues and the dire- the actors didn't have to act monologues. Absolutely. They're like, oh, crap. That puts us at like 51 pages of <laughs> script. We need 50, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I think they wrote it and then we're just like, no, they, they wave it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. But so instead, Randall immediately calls Steve to the stand and <laughs> oh, Steve – immediately screws up because he's like, oh, yeah, Munz turned in my paper that he got from Brandon, that Brandon gave to him. Also, he's like, I'm sick. But they're like, dude, you're here. <laughs> like, yeah. Why did you come? Literally, I think Chancellor Arnold is like, you're in the room. Get on the stand. Exactly. And then, yeah, the fact that, like, you know, obviously the line of questioning was angled to get Steve to admit that you know, it wasn't just Munz who had the paper, but it was Brandon who supplied the paper to Munz. But it's like, I think that part was fine because that's just recounting events, right? Like, I get mm-hmm. that. What got me, and this is, again, when I'm going back to the fact that proof was a big, big deal, and it was for me too. He tries to then say, guys, I lost my best friend over this, so what other proof do you actually need? I'm like, actual proof? Like, that's not proof. (laughs) That is very reminiscent of Brandon's closing argument, which I will have to talk about. Yes. Because, yeah, they just got actual, like, he admitted Mm -hmm. that Brandon was involved in, like, the chain of custody of passing this paper off. Like, Brandon put his hands on the paper that was stolen. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, but I lost my best friend. Doesn't that mean anything to you? Doesn't that show you that Brandon wouldn't cheat? Like, no. It shows us nothing. And I do think this is the scene where Randall's like, oh, yeah, Brandon's helped you out of jams before. Like, we know this is what he does. You get in trouble, he helps you out. You didn't write your paper, he gave you a paper. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because that's the thing, like – he keeps trying to build this case that they've been friends for so long that 
and Brandon's character is good in the sense that he's a good friend and he's there when you need him. But then it crosses that line of just being good friend to being too much of an enabler or crossing that good moral line to be a good friend. Man, could you imagine if this was the moment that Brandon realized he constantly enables Steve's bad behavior? Like, maybe not to the point of plagiarism, but he does save his butt a lot. Like, Steve really did break into Randall's office to steal a baseball. Mm -hmm. If only, but no, that doesn't happen. Brief cutaway from the tribunal for Kelly to finally convince Mark to go along with a plan for his birthday because she gives him a tape and they're going to go to dinner and then a show and then go back to his house and watch movies, which, like, sounds great. Yeah. Like, I didn't even do that much on my birthday. Right. I went to dinner. I don't even remember what I did for my birthday at this point. You had a uh, oh yeah, my murder mystery, mystery party. party. Oh my god! Yeah. How did I forget that? Because I wasn't there. It's fine. True. Good point. Good point. And then back to tribunal. Brandon is willing to take the stand so the truth can come out. Okay, I have to ask a question. This is a very serious question. Did Brandon accuse Professor Corey Randall of yes? Beating Lucinda? Yeah. I'm going to take the sand so the truth can come out. I'm going to immediately lie about you beating your wife. Like, yeah, that's a blatant lie, right? Like, there was never any indication that any abuse, physical abuse, was happening in that relationship, correct? I'm, like, 90% sure on that. Like, I think even this show would not just, like, breeze past abuse. Well... in that manner like it wouldn't be a flippant like offhand comment especially not when like donna happened. yes exactly exactly brandon has literally like actually gone to actual court in an actual Mm -hmm. courtroom over abuse and violence like i don't think he would be so flippant about it but i have no memory of that being a thing yes okay good but Like, I don't know. They just kind of, like, it becomes a thing. It blows up a little. But then Randall brings up his sociology class from three years ago, Mm -hmm. which I love. He's like, you and Mr. Sanders took my class, didn't you? Nothing wrong with that, except it was boring. Like, (laughs) Brandon is a hostile witness. (laughs) Also, like, again, if this were a real court of law, like, Objection, leading the witness. Objection, speculation. Objection, like, what's your point? Like, so <laughs> often in this entire line of questioning, as well as with Steve, like, he kept leading Steve to exactly where he wanted to go and then speculated that Brandon put the test in a sealed envelope. Like, it was, I was like, if you're going to ask them to get lawyers, act like this is a court of law. Like, not. <laughs> Nothing. So, be, so Brandon being spicy, yes, let's do it. <laughs> It was honestly perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. it was ridiculous. I loved it. I wish I watched this at, like, 9 p.m. instead of 9 a.m. So I could have gone and, like, gotten a beer. Mm -hmm. Like, he was just being so much. Well, and so 
like to that point, Randall tries to bring up the fact that like, you know, grades were really hard on these pop quizzes that Randall gave on Fridays. And there was one specific quiz that like everybody failed. It was called the Columbus Day Massacre, and which, which is wrong for several reasons. So many. Um, so many. But that's what they called it. So I will name it its name. And the whole implication there was that literally everybody failed but Brandon. And Brandon got an 84. However, he pulls up some grade book, which we know those exist. Like I remember when my elementary school and middle like because Let's be real. We did not have like online grading systems, I think, until high school, I think late high school or something. And so he pulls up his grade book and notes where what Steve got. And properly this time, he was like, excuse me, witness, can you read exhibit A? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. And Steve's grade was also an 84. So he's trying to establish the fact that like literally everybody sucked at this quiz Except for Brandon. Oh, and Steve. And not only that, but once Brandon transferred into his class, Steve's grades started getting significantly better. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is speculating that Brandon transferred into a class in college, Brandon Walsh, who cares so much about everything he does, in order to study for a class that he maybe didn't need to take so that his friend could cheat off of him and maybe not fail in his first semester of his first year of college. Like, right. Wow. And so there were several quotes of the week, I think, for me in this. Again, for entirely different reasons. But once that happens and, like, all of a sudden Randall's like, well, I didn't bring up the cheating at the time because, you know, I didn't know they were friends. I'm like, we'll get to the part where he cooked the books. But (laughs) the fact that you are admittedly – I was about to say admittedly admitting (laughs) (laughs) the fact that you're admitting that you were negligent to a suspicion of cheating as a professor at a university should deem this defense or this prosecution completely irrelevant. Right. Because like, why now? Why this, that, that is when Brandon could have called perfectly into question a personal vendetta. So anyway, that I've seen Legally Blonde way too much. But <laughs> my whole point is that once he brings that up, Brandon, God, he was so great. He goes full Brandon, full, full, full Brandon, all the way up to 11. And he goes, justice is supposed to be blind, not deaf and dumb. And I'm like, my job, like, <laughs> send this boy out. The, the defense rests. <laughs> right. That was like a goosebumps walk away. That was yes. it. It was so but also- good. Perfect time for Randall being like, I don't, I didn't report cheating at that point, blah, blah, blah. Perfect time to be like, you are actively helping people cheat at this point. Exactly. Like, you do not have any integrity in this moment, any leg to stand on. You were actively encouraging me to cheat. I didn't. And now three years later, you're coming back at me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What I love is that this tribunal takes two days. So we actually do, like, the court takes a recess until the next morning. I so badly wanted on that second day for the, like, air conditioning to have cut off. And, like, <laughs> Brandon's in suspenders and he pulls a handkerchief out of his pocket and just, like, wipes his brow. 
everyone becomes a southern gentleman because it's 90 degrees it's like a time to kill with maddie mcconaughey all of a sudden (laughs) let's see i'm thinking of uh my cousin Vinny. oh of course you are yeah yeah we take our recess which is the perfect amount of time to go to a surprise party (laughs) thank god it's ridiculous we got this like one short scene to really set up the surprise party is happening and I loved how many people shouted off screen to let you know right I also really loved that someone was like they're here I see their car pulling up and then Donna's like they're here it's time (laughs) cut the lights cut kill the music yes Donna we heard she already said it god and then when they walk in and first of all they're like you know, the excuse actually was pretty good that Kelly left her purse at home and the concert tickets were in her purse. Like, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, when they get in and Mark is, like, trying to get all sexy with her, I'm like, oh, my God, everybody is in there. They're going to I know. It. <laughs> I know. And then, like, she just kind of brushes it off, which I'm sure, like, you know, is because it's the party. But then I'm like, oh, but she just, like, brushed you off. Like, everybody heard her just be like, mm, that's nice. Right? so awkward and then they turn on the lights and yell surprise and he does not look excited he hates it yeah he was just like cool i am surprised this is my surprise face (laughs) yep quick cut over to brandon at the peach pit talking to nat which okay when he makes these comments about how like oh, what happened in court today is that Randall accused me of cheating for years. And Nat was like, I have to ask, is it true? Yeah, that felt way out of character. Yeah. I was like, you know that's not true, Nat. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, all this boils down to Nat, you know, gives Brandon advice that apparently Jim Walsh also gave him because Brandon called his dad. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's basically like, keep fighting the good fight, like, do the right thing. You should go to the party and be with your friends. You shouldn't be alone right now. Right. So he does. He does. And this is really just, you know, to get everybody in the same place. You know, we get a little bit about, like, Mark not wanting to open presents, but Kelly forces him to. But then right as he was about to open Kelly's present, Brandon walks in and... I mean, it is kind of rude of Kelly to, like, immediately get up. Because, mm-hmm. especially like, he would have waited. Well, and he didn't even want to do it. You insist he has to, and then immediately mm-hmm. you get up for somebody else. Exactly. And, you know, when he told her he didn't want a party and he just wanted to stay home with her and hang out, and then she just, like, treats him like this at his own party, like, mm-hmm. I get it. Brandon is going through something heavy. Like, her friend group is falling apart at the Brandon and Steve seam now but like yeah girl and then to make matters yeah I was gonna say like to make matters worse like as soon as Kelly gets up Valerie just slides right in and it's like Kelly she's like a moth to a flame and like he just tries to say well yeah she's really worried about Brandon and Val's like hmm Shouldn't she be worried about you right now? Like, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's just I think a monster. I think that's the best thing about Val is like when 
specifically with her and Kelly, like when they stir the pot, they like go after actual things. Like Mm -hmm. Val isn't just saying stuff to say stuff. She is saying something that Mark actually feels like she's finding his feelings and saying them out loud. And it's true because Kelly also still hasn't gotten over Brandon. Exactly. Exactly. So now it's just like fueling, fueling this flame and making it into something more than what it probably is. But that's the problem is that there is probably something there. It's just now it's adding to it. Yeah. No, she saw that like teeny little spark in Mark's eyes. and was just like, I can get that. Yep. All I need is a spark. Yeah. And, you know, Steve and Claire also show up late. They get there right as Brandon is talking about like how royally screwed over he is. And so Steve is like, I can't be here. I need to leave. Again, mm-hmm. next time we see Steve, he is like in bed sick. So why did he come to the party? That's kind of my point too. Like, I just don't understand the sick thing. If it was anxiety, totally understand. But it doesn't seem to be anxiety. No, it seems to be like an actual cold. Yes. Yeah. But we find out that after Kelly left Mark, he apparently, like, I don't know if he opened his presents, he didn't open his presents. He kind of waited until no one was paying attention to him and just went to his room to watch the kung fu movies that he wanted to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, Kelly comes in to talk to him and he's like, well, I hate surprise parties. Kind of told you that. Also, I think Brandon is the reason we're not having sex. Which. What? Yeah. Like, if you thought you weren't having sex before, (laughs) you are definitely not having sex now. Yeah, like nothing is like. less sexy than bringing up another guy as to the reason why you're not getting some like well and did you notice her response was like I'm trying to get over it but I don't think Brandon has anything to do with it (laughs) like well but that's the thing is like yeah, she doesn't, like, deny it necessarily, but at the same time, she's been pretty, like, upfront that, like, she's not into this as much as he is. So, mm. this is where I am. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, she doesn't want to have sex. You're not having sex. End of story. Like, yeah, it it doesn't matter the reason. I just think exactly. it's fascinating that he accuses her of still being in love with Brandon, and that's why she won't have sex with him. And she's like, I don't think this has anything to do with she doesn't say it that way but she's like I don't think this has anything to do with Brandon like not this has nothing to do with Brandon right exactly not a definitive one way yeah and then he goes into this stupid speech about how his parents made such a big deal about his birthdays every year and it got bigger and bigger and it made him feel more and more like a baby and that's why he hates parties because he was loved too much as a child. Just got to shake my head. Like, this boy is so privileged that his parents loved him so much that they just wanted to make his birthday a big, big, big deal that now he hates celebrating birthdays. Like, I'm sorry. That is not a sob story. Like, I understand if you don't like surprises in general. That's good enough. You could just mm-hmm. not like being surprised. That's fine. Yeah, but no, it had to be that his parents made a big fuss out of birthdays and therefore he doesn't like them. 
Mm-hmm. It's not that like he doesn't even say like they made the party to like show other people up and that it wasn't about me. It seems like it's yes. very much about him. Yeah. Like a hundred percent if he felt like his parents were doing it because perceptions matter and yeah, it was more focused on them than it was him. Absolutely, that's a great reason to not like to celebrate your birthday. Because you don't feel special. But that's not what he says. And then Kelly's response is to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't listen to you. You said you wanted to be alone. So she leaves. Like, I know they're in a fight, but I was just like, damn, Kelly, that's cold. Well, and I think it like... I think it goes on with what we've been saying about Kelly this, like, whole season. She is supposed to be this, like, really intuitive, like, I know what people are feeling and thinking, psych major. And she does this. This is, like, was it last season where she came back from New York from modeling and was like, I'm not going to take any shit from anybody. Like, Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what's happening right here is where she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't like this gift I gave you? Sorry. Bye. That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah, because, like, eventually we find out that they spent the night watching a kung fu movie later, but it doesn't appear to me in this scene that she goes out and, like, tries to end the party fast. Like, yeah, because we we don't see that, like – that's what I mean. We just – we can't know. We have to yeah. assume the party went on because we see the party go on. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, Claire goes to talk to Brandon about Steve because he left and she's like, you have to fix this. Like, I I don't know how to fix this. You have to do it. And Brandon wants nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. At which point Donna tells Claire that – Randall proved to him that Steve has been cheating off of him for years Mm -hmm. and Claire sees red oh my god does she ever like she is so ready to just storm back into wherever Steve was and just rip him a new one yeah like literally she goes and she's just like you can lie to everybody else but you can't lie to me you've been cheating off of him forever like you he showed the grades where you passed the test after Brandon showed up. And mm-hmm. I do love Steve's reaction at that point after he's been feeling sorry for himself because he's sick, but who knows if he's really sick. But he's like, wait a minute, Friday quizzes? I can't have passed a Friday quiz. I failed every single one of them and I can <laughs> prove it. Like that is funny, Steve, right? Like that timing and that little like, no, there's uh, like because we see it later when it's like Steve Sanders has no shame. It's like, yeah, he clearly has no shame. He's like, no, I failed every single one of those. Like, I'm not a good student. You guys know this about me. Like, I distinctly remember never passing a single quiz. <laughs> How is this man in college? <laughs> right. He was getting like 17s. He pulls the grades out later. <laughs> yeah. No curve could save this guy. Nope. Okay, I I do love, like, you know, Steve is revitalized. He gets out of bed, and he's like, we're going to prove that I didn't mm-hmm. cheat off of Brandon. And then we cut over to Brandon walking with Tracy, who, like, 
he tells her about the affair with Lulu. Like, he is 100% honest, I guess. Like, he says they were separated at the time. I still don't totally understand the timeline, but we'll mm-hmm. say it's true. He's totally honest about everything that happened with Lulu, and that's why Randall's coming at him. Right. And I do like that Brandon finally has somebody to talk to about this. Like, because let's be real, he could have talked to Kelly, but she's been with Mark. Um can't really talk to Valerie about it because I just don't think that she's that person for him mm-hmm. and everybody else like Steve's is, this involves Steve so he can't talk to him so it's nice that he found somebody that he could like kind of let some of this out because he has been so on edge this entire episode even you know in, the, in Tracy and Brandon's first scene together when he was stressed out about the rundown when he was really just projecting so I do appreciate that it was the only thing I didn't like was the kiss at the end because they just haven't established like what they are and who and what they mean to each other. So I'm just like Yeah. Hmm. I was wondering that too because she clearly went to that party with him. Like this mm-hmm. wasn't the same thing of we both know Mark. It's we came together, we left together, we went to the park together. Like it seems like they're accidentally getting involved. Like Right. Brandon's gonna wake up one morning and be like, Oh my god, I'm in a relationship. Exactly. Like they're never going to define it until it just they're they're like they've like moved in together or something, you know, (laughs) he'll be carrying the boxes into Casa Walsh. Like, wait a minute. It's like that episode of How I Met Your Mother when Lily comes back from San Francisco and she needs a place to stay. And so she stays at Barney's and he's so against it in the beginning until he finds out that she can like help him get rid of girls in the morning. But then slowly but surely, like she has transformed his apartment into a more female friendly apartment and they're like cuddling together in bed. He stopped going out and they're like watching HGTV together and stuff. And he's like, Oh my God, we're in a relationship. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I'm just imagining them, like, standing on the front lawn having just put, like, their second child through their first day of school and, like, <laughs> looking at each other like, what are we to each other? <laughs> Should we define this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so oh funny. My God. God, I would love that. Like, they never define it and then we get to 90210 and all of a sudden we have, like, a little Walsh running around. <laughs> oh. I know that's not what happens, but baby girl Walsh named Brenda Susan Walsh. (laughs) Forever, Tracy's like, you know, I'm really not comfortable that our children are named Emily and Susan. Yeah, yeah, Emily Susan Walsh. But we call her Brenda. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, so... It is nice that Brandon has somebody to talk to because then we have that next day of the tribunal. And yeah, this is where it's the closing arguments or whatever, which they waived the opening ones, but we sure do get the closing ones. And Brandon's defense all boils down to the fact that like Professor Randall has no proof, but he does, supposedly. Yep. Brandon doesn't believe his proof and also Brandon has no proof. Like that's, he keeps the word proof is said so much. I, I, in my notes, I was like, is that how proof is spelled? Yeah. (laughs) It's absolute. It has no meaning anymore. Exactly. And at one point he brings up Lucinda. Mm -hmm. Like 
he fully admits he's like, oh, by the way, I had an affair with his wife. He's also not proven that I did what I did now. Exactly. And so he just says his defense is that he didn't do it. And that's all the proof that. No, he says he didn't do it. And he's like, my proof? I said so. <laughs> like, I was losing my mind. He's so sassy. So sassy. I loved it. And I'm surprised that like Chancellor Arnold didn't just like, like crack up, <laughs> you know, like giggle at it. I would have loved if Chancellor was like, I think we all learned a very valuable lesson here. Let's just wrap this up. And exactly. just like push which also like he could influence the tribunal. He is on the jury. Mm-hmm. He could easily just be like, Yeah, neither of them have any evidence. Like he should have recused himself personally. Exactly. And but- like because Brandon's defense is so flimsy, Randall's like, I don't think I need to say anything further. <laughs> I know. He's just like, no, I'm good. You just you talk. But then, plot twist. Steve runs into the room, coughing up a storm. He has saved every single one of his quizzes because he has a lot of friends that are younger than him. He saves the quizzes so everybody else can study off of them. Like, which I think is hilarious because you know they're looking at this quiz and being like, well, I know number one is not A. Yeah, we need three other tests that show either the right answer or the <laughs> other wrong answer. So if we can process of elimination this. But yeah, apparently Keg, like everybody finishes all their homework, all their quizzes, all their tests. They bring them back. Presumably they just have boxes that say like sociology 102 that are just full of quizzes. Mm-hmm. And Steve went, got all of his quizzes pulled every single one out, including the Columbus Day Massacre one, and is like, 17. I failed this quiz. Randall's like, well, maybe I got the day wrong. And he's like, oh, do you want the next one? I got a 34. (laughs) What about the one after that? I got a nine. And then he goes like, my special favorite, 13. Like, he could not. How this, again, how this boy is in college baffles me. How many questions are on these quizzes that you can get a 13%? Right? Like, there's got to be like seven, you know, like a random question or a random number of questions. And my favorite is when he's like going through all the numbers. He's like, I failed them all, Randy. (laughs) I love that he like submits them as evidence and he's like, good thing attendance counts. Right? Oh my gosh. But then it's like. Chancellor Arnold, he looks like he's about to start crying. He's so he happy his boy Brandon. sounds weird. Right, didn't he? Like, he's so happy his boy Brandon is is for sure, for sure not guilty. I love it. He's like, I am appalled that you would lie, and you'll be facing your own tribunal soon. Mm-hmm. God, I think I'm convinced that Chancellor Arnold just loves tribunals, and so he tries to be on as many of them as he possibly can. This is what Claire's mother did to him. She groomed him into the perfect perfect chancellor. Oh, my God. She just, like, gave him subliminal messages of just the word tribunal. Like, just, like, (laughs) over and over, just flashes. You can't just try one tribunal. (laughs) Like, you have to do more after that, apparently. Mm -hmm. Well, and at some point, he was doing more, and they were just like, he's the tribunal guy. Just call chancellor. 
Exactly. This is why he got his job. Everybody knows him from tribunals. And we're just like, who do we want to give this job to? Tribunal guy? Yeah, let's do that. Good old Arnold Tribunal. Arnold, Arnold Tribunal. Tribunal. Arnold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, Caitlin, we decided the other day to watch The Omen because it's spooky season. Right. Not scary. Didn't land with us at all. I think it's because we have no intention of having children. So, like, mm. knowing that your child is the spawn of Satan really doesn't scare me. Sure. You're, yeah. You're like, how could I be scared of something that won't exist? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But so we watched the first one. Didn't scare us. We were like, okay, well, maybe it's like when you put the trilogy together, it's scary. Mm. So we go to watch the second one. It, like, cuts forward a ton to a different point in this kid's life. Chancellor Arnold in the movie. <gasps> who does he play? He – I actually don't remember who he plays, but, like, the whole point of The Omen is, like, bad things happen around this kid until, like, two-thirds of the way through the second one when he, like, comes into his own powers and realizes who he is. Mm. But, like, so other people will realize that he's the Antichrist, and then they'll die. But the <laughs> way Chancellor Arnold dies when he figures out that Damien is the Antichrist, he is, like – in a train yard, he gets stuck in the, like, receptor piece of it, and then the trains – this train yard, I don't know if this is how this works. They just, like, throw the trains at each other and just, like, by force they merge. And so he gets stuck in this thing and then just has to sit there screaming while the two trains join together and just smushes. Uh. Apparently, 90210 actors really like horror movie sequels. And Lifetime original movies or Hallmark. Dude, when it gets to Christmas, we are going to have so much, like, extracurricular watching we can do. Mm-hmm. Literally just for, like, Tori Spelling and Jason Priestley. Jason exactly. Priestley loves a Lifetime Christmas movie. Well, and don't forget, at some point, we got to add in all the Sharknados. <laughs> because Ian Ziering, I think, is in every single one of them. <laughs> I want to say he's in, like, five. Is he really... Yes, and he is, he is like, buff. Okay, I might watch these. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, speaking of Sharknado, um, Steve <laughs> has no shame. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Sharknado, everyone's at the Peach Pit. Yep, and, yeah, we are all celebrating that Brandon is released of all the charges, but somebody please tell me that Steve is still going to face academic probation. Like... He has to. He has like, to. That that was like actually handed down. He mm -hmm. pled guilty. They're going to put him on academic probation, which is going to mean nothing in five yes. months. It's going to be like when he's in detention for all of senior year. Like that's all it is. Yeah. But then he still got to go to the Christmas stuff. Like he still got to exactly. do stuff. Exactly. But I do love – so also Brandon comes in with Tracy at this point. Mm -hmm. But he comes in and, first of all, apologizes to Mark for his behavior at the party, which I feel like Mark is just sitting there being like, I don't even care because he's spoiled. And then he thanks Steve for saving him from a fire that Steve set, which, honestly, Kelly was right there. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like you can't make references about Steve setting a fire that you get stuck in. Around Kelly. No. No, no. 
But thankfully, they're best friends again. Because they hug. They didn't count on the fact that no one can humiliate Steve Sanders more than Steve <laughs> Sanders can humiliate himself because Steve, Steve Sanders, Sanders has, has no, no shame. shame. I love it. And I did kind of like Claire's little dry comment about like men, like two grown men hugging it out or something like that. Like, yeah, it's like a man that. hug and a mega burger. Yes, exactly. Like bonding over a man hug and a mega burger. Just ridiculous. I mean, I'm I guess I'm glad they're friends again, but let's be honest. Like Steve did still plagiarize off of you. Oh, just yeah. because just because he hasn't been doing it for seven years does not mean he didn't do it this time. And he still like has like, he still owes Brandon. Like, he owes him an apology. He owes him a lot. He constantly, like, just gets out of things. It's mm-hmm. so frustrating. And, like, nobody cares. I mean, like, Claire was mad at him for, like, five seconds for cheating for years. But she's fine with, like, one major cheat. Like, exactly. okay, you did it once. But also, he's been saving all of his quizzes for his keg brothers. You can call them study aids, but that's also cheating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know a lot of people that did that in college and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's still, like, getting insight into the questions and answers ahead of it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like, truly, who didn't do it? But that doesn't mean it's technically right. Yeah, because, like, teachers don't change out their questions that often, so... You really just have to memorize. You're not really learning anything. So let's be real. You're just cheating yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that an episode in high school where Steve had the answers to the test Mm -hmm. and then Brandon wouldn't take them because the teacher said he'd be cheating himself out of learning? Probably. (laughs) I swear that happened. I feel like that explanation is so funny to me about why cheating is wrong when it's like you're still reading the information and retaining it. So you're technically learning something you're just not getting it out of the textbook well i think the argument there is like you're not getting context right like you're not getting a conceptual understanding like i could mm-hmm. memorize it's one thing if it's like the u.s capitals there's no no context there like yes atlanta is georgia like blah 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 but like if we're talking like the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell why what is it doing in the cell? Like, I can memorize that, but, like, do I actually know what the mitochondria does? Honestly, not really. But so I think that's where it comes in is where it's a multiple choice answer that has more substance to it and kind of understanding the why is more important. Whereas, like, yeah, like the U.S. capitals, just memorize that. Like, that, there's no real way to, like, get beyond that. <laughs> okay, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Brandon's we did it. free. Brandel is in trouble. Steve barely got in trouble. Everybody's friends again. And Mark is clearly on his way out. I sure hope so. We have hit that fun fact of allegedly, mm-hmm. allegedly, the actor who played Mark did something and Aaron Spelling didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. So, all right. Mark's Mark's time on this uh, show 
seems to be winding down. So, quote of the week. Mm-hmm. I have already said all of the ones that I would pick. Okay. So, did I have we talked about one that you would pick? Mm-hmm. Do you have one? Do you have several? I have two. Okay. Well, my favorite quote of the entire episode, I think, is when Steve says, all I have to do is plead guilty. I can do that. I'm guilty. Because, <laughs> like, I want that as a soundbite. I just want Steve saying, I'm guilty. I mean, literally, like, and Claire should have recorded it so that every time Steve tried to say, what, that wasn't me, she could just be like, I'm guilty. <laughs> and then... I don't know if this is even an exact quote because I had to write it down so fast. But when Felice says, I'm a doctor's wife, I know about this type of thing. Oh, my God. That's like my favorite hate quote. I just wanted to smack her. I mean, I always want to smack Felice. She drives me up a wall. And then just, I won't say them all, but literally everything that Spicy Mm -hmm. Brandon said. Literally everything. He could have said nothing that I wouldn't have loved. During the tribunal. He was an idiot, but he could... Everything. I loved it. He was a passionate idiot. That's all I can ask for. All right, Mary, what about you? What do you have? Stupid shit, as always. Okay, so... During Donna and David's bike ride, like, all of their dialogue was, like, 80-yard in until we got to a certain point. Mm -hmm. And there was just this one moment where David was just like, Oh, this is great! (laughs) so i wrote that one down um let's see um when brandon runs into kelly and mark he's just goes hey kids yeah i remember that just being a dad yeah definitely felice is (laughs) i married a doctor so i know things (laughs) (laughs) and i really think that's all i wrote down actually Okay. Yeah, so I have two this week. One basically per main plot. And one of them is sweet. It's when um, Donna visits Dr. Dad. And he says, I didn't write down the, I'm paraphrasing here, but he states that these chemical imbalances can be inherited, but that's no reason not to love someone. I just, chef's kiss on that part of the storyline for me. Um, and I just appreciated it. So that was number one. And then number two, it was, uh, it was when it was in the tribunal when Steve and Claire bust in and Steve's going through all of his failed quizzes and he's like, I failed them all, Randy. Cause first of all, that's not even his name. Like it's Randall and it's Corey Randall. So like, <laughs> and it's just like classic Steve. Like that is the Steve we love when he's like, no shame, Steve and being honest. So No one can humiliate Steve Sanders more than Steve Sanders can humiliate himself. Because Steve Sanders has no shame. Mary, what's your moment of the week? Okay, so I lied. I actually have two. Um, The first one is just the very first scene of this episode where Chancellor Arnold looks so mad and he's just like, plagiarism is a very serious charge. And then he's just like, and that is why I looked through the bylaws and I found a loophole so we can get you out of this. (laughs) He's like, I got to be like a parent right now, but also 
I'm still your friend. <laughs> Not a regular dad. I'm a cool I'm a dad. Cool. <laughs> um, okay, and then my other moment was when um Professor Randall comes up to Brandon in like the student union or whatever that place is called that I always want to call a cafeteria. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Anyway. Um and he says, any lawyer that defends himself has got a fool for a client. And Brandon's like, joke's on you. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> and then he makes that abundantly clear. Like, spicy Brandon is everything. <laughs> it's so good. My jaw was on the floor. Like, the first thing he even said when he was allowed to talk. He just like, was like, screw it. Yeah, I have three, four, five months left of my college career. It's time for me to just like air it all out. Yeah, no. He had it up to here with Randall showing up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Caitlin, what is next week's episode about? Yeah, so next week is our Christmas episode. It's about that time of year. Um, it is season seven, episode thirteen. Gift wrapped. Gift wrapped. I mean, it's the holiday season, so, Christmas. but also, I'll, yeah. <laughs> so, and Donna's birthday. Don't forget. Um, mm-hmm. Right. I'll also point out to those of you who are watching along with us this episode, as well as I believe the next two are not available to stream via Paramount Plus. Although I think if you go to Pluto TV they're there there's just commercials so um if you have the dvds watch along with us yeah i will be breaking out my deluxe box set of dvds for this round yeah and so we'll find out what gift wrap means next week and until then you can follow us on twitter and instagram at back to podcast also shoot us over an email if you'd like with any of your thoughts questions comments or concerns whatever you want at Back to podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And do we want to talk about that email now? Sure. Yeah, guys, we have correspondence in the form of an email. And um, I'm not going to read the whole thing um, because it's a lovely, lovely long email. And so we very much appreciate it. It's from our pal Derek. Um, And so basically he... He was the one who also hit us up on Instagram to let us know some of the behind the scenes tea on Mark's character um, or the actor who plays Mark, that sort of thing. And so he was just letting us know, like, he <laughs> agrees with us about our um, feelings about Valerie and Kenny and that whole pregnancy thing. And also, like, you know, a few weeks ago, we made the uh, the comment about why do all the gang hang out with Valerie when they all hate her and she hates them? Like, why do they go to her club? <laughs> so uh, very much love that, that Derek was on the same page as us about that. Um, and yeah, so just, just some really good feedback. We really, really appreciate that Derek. And we're so happy that you're still following along and get the chance to listen to us um, on Wednesdays on your morning commute. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love it. We love it. It makes us so happy. I'm also very late with this, but I definitely want to shout out the person that sent me the YouTube clips for Degrassi of the scene where Wheels apologizes to Lucy for crippling her 
and apparently temporarily blinding her and also sent me the Degrassi School's Out TV movie. So, like, I'm dead. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm very late on shouting this out because I have been deep in my Degrassi next generation hole. But thank you. So, yeah, send us more of that correspondence and we'll probably get to it within the month that you send it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Keep listening and I promise you'll hear it at some point. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All of that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, which then leads to us getting YouTube clips for Degrassi and TV movies. Love it so much. And if you give us a shout out on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go call Deshaun because he really should have been in this episode. I'm going to run to the store and grab a mango for the angel in my life. I'm going to go make a huge fuss out of somebody's birthday who wants nothing to do with that. Bye. Bye. See ya.